the blast from our past network. Andy Jackson, this is Mr. Frank Dukes. Are our rooms ready? Mr. Lin in room 310 wants to see you after you check in. Who the hell's Mr. Lin? I'm Lin. You Jackson? You look like a Jackson. That will make you Frank Dukes. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like, put up your Dukes, right? Okay, so here's the deal. This is the biggest comedy ever. We got fighters from all over. I've been assigned by the IFAA to help you and the other North American fighters find your way around. I'm gonna make sure you guys give it your best. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we're covering Bloodsport from 1988. Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. I'm ready for the Kumite. Okay, great. I am ready for it. I was expecting something like, hey, Tim, are you ready to kick it into high gear for this episode? Oh, no, no, I no, was Tim. pleasantly surprised with what you came That's up with. That's for a kickboxer episode. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll save that one for the kickboxer episode. Nice. I'm just ready for the Kumite. Okay. Except I do, I do hear that you can die there, so that's, that's a negative. Yeah, well, you you can die there for sure, yeah. Yeah, you can be killed. This was my introduction to Jean-Claude Van Damme. I was a 10-year-old boy, cool. and I fell in love cool. with his movies. Yeah, totally. But I, ha- I haven't watched them in a really long time. Yeah. I don't know if this is my introduction. I, I definitely loved it when I was a kid. Like, it is such a rated R movie for, like, a 12-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's such a such a good movie for a 12-year-old. So I fell in love with it. But I, I don't know if I'd seen, like, other Jean-Claude Van Damme's. Maybe not. This is probably my introduction. Anyways, he's awesome. I love him. Oh, this started my, like, permanent ticket on the JCVD train. Nice. Every week when I'd go into the movie rental store, I would just always be looking to see if there's a new, you know, Jean-Claude movie out. And then when there was... Oh, was that ever exciting? If there wasn't, nice. you just rent the same one again. Uh, but if there was a new one, whoa, look out. Look yeah. out. Oh. You were always stopping by the bakery, Tim, because you, you you couldn't get enough of those buns. Oh, there it was. You just delayed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. Dean, spoiler alert, tight butt shot in this movie. Very tight, very tight. It reminded me a lot of Batman and Robin. A lot of similarities between these two movies here. <laughs> I would I would agree there are a lot of similarities. <laughs> I haven't seen this oh my goodness. I'm gonna say probably like at least fifteen years, maybe more, that nice. I have not seen yeah. this movie. So all of yeah. my memories of it are from me as a kid just loving Great. this movie. So it was really yeah. fun to go back and watch it again. And obviously it's way cheesier than I remembered it. But I definitely enjoyed the movie still for all the nostalgic vibes it gave me. But it was really interesting viewing it again through the lens of a grown-up and just seeing yeah. all the terrible faults in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely 100% cheese. It's ridiculous. It's it's so lighthearted. Like I said before, it's like such a R-rated movie for a 12-year-old. Like there's a deadly secret 
tournament fighting tournament going on and it's so lighthearted. <laughs> like two guys like everyone's just like friends. <laughs> you know, it's it's just yeah. like it's so weird. It's 100% a kids movie. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I I uh, but I will say Tim, I love I loved it. I loved oh, it this yeah. watch around. I I think I was the same as you the last time I revisited it. It had been maybe 15 years and then I was like, "Oh, wow." Like this is not how I remembered. So this time going into it knowing that that's how it was, Man, did I have a blast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. You, you can't stop the fun in this movie. It, it just no. goes. It's wonderful. But, yeah. like, this is... I mean, th- there's no way you could serve this up to an adult and say, here, check this movie out. I think you'll enjoy it. Like, it's it's rough. Yeah. I mean, if if an adult is okay with, uh, with this type of cheese, maybe. Uh, maybe. I think the things that make it magical you kind of have to see as a child because that's that's how it works for you is because yeah what's going on you kind of are able to take very seriously um whereas as an adult nothing there's an, i don't know the stakes are not very high in this movie i don't no, the i don't tone buy is so into weird. a lot of stuff um but but what they're selling i'm just buying so hard as a kid this is oh, yeah. this is my life this is my life as a 10-year-old boy. I'm living this movie. Every beat of it. I'm just living it and dying it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I actually remember as a kid watching it and being like, this is, like, this is the R-rated movie. Like, this is the worst movie out there. Like, blood sport. Like, this is as bad as movies get. Like, not bad. I just mean, like, this is as violent as movies get. Yeah. And then you watch it now and you're like, this is as lighthearted as an R-rated movie could get. This couldn't be, like, any lighter of a PG movie. You know, yeah. Term- Terminator Two is aimed at kids, or is aimed at teenagers, but this is aimed at kids. <laughs> this is an R-rated movie aimed at children. Yeah, it's great. It's it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. It was released in 1988 with a budget of around two million dollars, and the film grosses 50 million, which is great. And then you can tack on another probably 20 million for VHS sales. So the movie did just fine. Yeah, for sure, and all the and all the rentals that uh, that you and I did as kids, Tim. Sure, but that doesn't go to the production company. That goes to the movie store. True, they just have to buy the one copy. They buy. A, they might buy a couple. Actually, the Van Dams, they had to buy an extra one. <laughs> yeah, the Van Dams. There was always just one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Back then, <laughs> not many movies had like multiple copies. Like I know when Blockbuster opened up, they'd have a wall of the same movie, but. Back when I was going to the the you know movie store, there was just one of everything. Yeah, definitely. It was ch- very charming. A very charming time in the world. The, yeah, video rental shops. Yeah, I miss it, man. That's oh, I, I used it. to just go there on a Friday night. That's even when I was like twenty five. I would just go there on a Friday night and hang out. Tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if those come back. If they make a comeback, I don't know when. I would be so down. Maybe twenty years. Maybe thirty years. I think that kind of like nostalgia will come back. Someone will yeah. open one up again and people will rave about it and it'll catch on and then like other people will do the same. Yeah, I don't mean to go into this even more, but I think you're onto something because now that streaming services are splitting so much and there's like 20 out there that you can get, I feel like it's like time to just go back to the one store where you can get everything. That's that's a pretty good point, Tim. I like it. I think it might happen. Yeah. This movie was directed by Newt Arnold. And Bloodsport was his third and last movie that he would direct. His other two movies are Hands of a Stranger from 1962. Now, this movie is about a surgeon 
who transplants a murdered man's hands to a concert pianist, and the hands begin to drive him mad. That sounds incredible, Tim. I know, right? Are you kidding me with that movie? I we have to we have to do that. <laughs> it sounds like one of the Universal Monster like movie synopsises that we do. That you made up. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, what it totally, sounds yeah. like. <laughs> His other one from 1971, Bloodthirst. An American detective investigating a series of murders linked to a Manila nightclub. The killings are carried out by a monster so that a beautiful blonde woman who is actually hundreds of years old can use the victim's blood to stay young forever. Wow. Wow. I got a little <laughs> lost in that one. <laughs> that one was pretty, pretty detailed. Okay. I guess you have to this, see he, it. This, I will say this guy, uh, he gets some pretty good uh, synopsis for his movies. That's for sure. Yeah, I'd say. Now, Newt Arnold would go on to find a lot of success as an assistant director working on movies such as The Jerk, Blade Runner, The Goonies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, The Abyss, and Last Action Hero. Those are big movies. Big movies, directing, not really for him, assistant directing, that. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, no kidding. Is that now, is that assistant to the director, Tim? Or is that assistant director? (laughs) Do you mean assistant regional director? Or assistant to the regional director? Assistant to the regional director. That's assistant director. That's like... Okay, okay. It's different. Okay. His number one guy. Cool. Uh, Also, I could be wrong. I don't actually know. Right. He could just be getting the director copy. He could be the regional assistant (laughs) director. I don't actually know. (laughs) Uh, Music by Paul Herzog and Stan Bush. And they both worked on uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer together. So if cool. you liked the score of this movie, boy, are you in for a treat when Kickboxer comes out. I Tim, I loved the score of this movie. I oh, thought the music no, ruled in it. Please, Dean, please. Are you? It was so good. It added to the ridiculous feel of the movie. Okay, it's I mean, amazing. Sure, in that way. Yeah, like, it's, it's charming. It's no, charming no, no, music. No, 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 not charming. Oh yeah, no. I blasted it uh, while I was making supper today. (laughs) Uh, Stan Bush is the epitome of bad 80s music. He's like, 80s music, that was never good. He's best known for his song, The Touch, from Transformers the Movie. Yeah. A terrible song. Oh, Oh, come on, Tim. I think think people have as much love for that type of music as we have for Bloodsport, where we liked it as a kid. I love 80s music. I love it. This guy's music is awful. It's terrible 80s music. And for people okay. who say 80s music is terrible, listen to Stan Bush. That's terrible of the terrible. I like 80s music. I do not like Stan Bush. Okay. I like it. I would say that, I don't know, the music maybe in the movie is awful. I'd go so far as saying. What? I was going to ask fight you. Fight to if... survive, Tim? I love fight to survive. <laughs> I think it was going to come to the podcast, Dean. And ask you, if you think anybody in the world liked the soundtrack for this movie, and you show One person up, me. and you're telling me that you liked it. I, I loved it, Tim. I loved it. I was did listening you, to it right before this. Right did, before this, I was I had it blasting in my house. Did you ironically like it? No, I you didn't straight up liked like it. it. You straight up like it got me pumped up for this podcast. Wow. Straight up liked it, Tim. Wow. I don't know what to say. 
You you said what you have to say. You don't like it. I do. We're good. I'm confused how someone could even like it, though. Beyond just me not liking it, how does anybody actually like it? It's so bad. People like different things, Tim. People like different things. I actually didn't mind what Paul Herzog was doing. He was doing, like, the in-between music. But, like, the Mm -hmm. straight-up 80s ballads where Stan Bush is singing, these are bad songs. They're not good 80s songs. Hell yeah. Loved them. I'll throw some in, though, for for everybody listening. Hey, listeners, (laughs) you decide. You decide. You got the power. Yeah. Oh, every moment, given strength by the breath of life. I'm going to stake my claim. I fight to Drop us a line, okay? Let us know. I want to know. If you're on Dean's side. I know there's more out there, Tim. I know there's more out there that love Fight to Survive. Maybe. And maybe not, Dean. Maybe not. But there's a lot of people in the world. There's a few. There's got to be a few out there that like this. I mean, if you're telling me you liked it, I'm sure other people liked it. Because I didn't know if anybody would like it. And you like it. I think John John Claude Van Damme said that um, it's better. The soundtrack's better than the movie. Well, that's not true. It also doesn't mean he likes it. It just means he thinks it's better than the movie. Wow, I thought that the music might be the thing in the movie that offends you so hard that you can't even like the movie. <laughs> no way, Tim! Come on. <laughs> All right. No way. Cool. Let's let's move on. Enough of this. Hey, Dean, did you know that there's four Bloodsport movies? I did. I didn't know that. I haven't seen any of them. Well, I've seen I've seen the first. Yeah, well, obviously. There's this one. Then comes the next Kumite. I just want you to pay attention to the naming convention. It's all so yeah. appropriate. The next makes Kumite. Like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Then Bloodsport 3. They feel like maybe they missed out on calling the movie Bloodsport 2. So they're okay. like, okay, let's go back to the Bloodsport theme. Bloodsport 3. Cool. Yeah. Then comes... The amalgamation of all that they've worked for with Bloodsport 4, the Dark Kumite. Oh, the Dark Kumite. I didn't know if you were going to go with the last Kumite or the fourth Kumite, the Dark Kumite. Yeah, they put it all together. I- That's apparently, that one's apparently you fight in the dark, is my guess. Oh, like literally the Dark Kumite you're fighting. Everybody's blindfolded. <laughs> Frank Dukes would be incredible at that. <laughs> Everybody but Frank. He he's the guy who gets to fight oh, he... unblindfolded. Yeah, I mean he'd be great at it. Now, Bloodsport is loosely based on stories that were told by Frank William Dukes, who is a Canadian martial artist. And Dukes claimed he was taken to Japan as a teenager by Senzo Tiger Tanaka and trained to be a ninja. Dukes actually claimed a lot of things and lots of the things he claimed were disproven being a CIA agent 
and taking part and winning a martial arts event called Akumate, which was a 60-round elimination tournament held in secret every five years. Dukes was apparently the first Westerner to win the tournament and first person ever given permission to talk publicly about it. So there's a lot of stories about this guy and how he would like to embellish things. I'm not going to say one way or another, like what this guy actually did. I believe that there's probably a lot of truth to his story. And I also believe that he probably embellished a lot of things as well. So I just, you know, before the podcast here, I watched some video of him fighting in a tournament, a karate tournament, a full contact tournament. And he was doing really good. Like he looked really, really good. So it is possible that he won an event like this. Like he won a a Kumite. This could be very true, but also I just think some of his claims are so exaggerated that, you know, there's gotta be some middle ground to these stories about him, you know, and with, within those middle ground, that's where the truth lies. I don't think that he was like a guy who never fought before or, or never knew how to fight and just made up these stories. I also don't think that his claims could be true, could possibly be true. But yeah, no, somewhere I, in the middle uh, is the truth with this guy. Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're bullshit. I think the middle ground is that he's a martial artist and he opened up a martial arts school and wanted people to come to a school. So he made up this bullshit about this underground tournament. I think maybe he won a martial arts tournament before in his life. But I don't think it was uh, underground secret thing that they allowed him to talk about. At the end of this movie, it said like he won like 329 matches in a row or something at Kumite. This is ridiculous. That's the stuff I don't believe. Um, yeah. But I mean, I saw the footage of him fighting and he... he yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a martial artist. He was knocking people out. So the whole the whole um, like undercover fight ring thing, his side of the story is that he was an army agent which is true. He was in the army. He was saying that he was recruited by the CIA as an, like an agent. Um, not, he wasn't part of the CIA. He was just recruited by them to do a job for them, which was just to try to investigate these under underground fights, um, that were going on and that were being run by criminal organizations. So he was just supposed to go there. He was just supposed to try to like get into the tournament and then he says he never thought that he'd win the tournament, which is where, like, well, did he win it? Did he not win it? You know, who knows what was going on? But I do believe, like, there is some truth to all of the story that yeah. that he was telling. I just don't know what it is, so. Yeah. Dukes was friends with co-writer of the movie Sheldon Ledich, and Ledich came up with the idea to turn Frank's stories into a movie. And Frank Dukes would actually end up taking part in the movie as a fight choreographer. I thought that was cool that they involved. Yeah, like that. definitely. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I thought that was interesting because some of the some of the fight choreography is pretty good, I think. And uh, he did. I I was listening to some uh, an interview he had where he did say that um, before he's like he said before that uh, John Claude Van Damme before he got his hands on him couldn't even do like a somersault. <laughs> So I, that's where I think there's like a little bit, some, a little bit more embellishment going on there. Like for sure, this guy, John Claude Van Damme could do shit before this movie. He didn't just train him in this movie to be so incredible. 
maybe Van Damme told him he's never done a somersault before. And Frank <laughs> right, Dukes is yeah. like, can can you try to do one? And then he does one, and Frank Dukes is like, hey, I got him to do a somersault. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, that was me. That was me. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I taught him. All right. Blood sports synopsis. An American martial artist serving in the military decides to leave the army to compete in a martial arts tournament in Hong Kong where fights to the death can occur. Great. Now, this movie starts off by simultaneously showing us the venue of the Kumite being set up and a bunch of tough guy characters from around the world training for it. And this is a very nice start to the movie, I think, and really gets me on board. Uh, for sure. I've... I'm a big fan when I was a kid, a street fighter, you know, loved that game. Exactly. Um, so like just having different styles of fighting and like putting them up against each other. So great to open the movie on all these different fighters. They're all training. They're all doing their own thing. I'm on board immediately. Like I'm, I'm into the movie right away. Yeah. Oh, me too. Like th- this, from, I love street fighter, but this came out before that. There, there was definitely a connection there though. And this whole movie feels like a video game. And this opening yeah. scene, like, it really felt like a character select screen to me. Like, you just get to see a bunch of these different characters, and yeah. you're like, oh, that guy looks cool. Oh, look what he did. Oh, that's awesome. That guy just broke a giant block of ice with his knee. Oh, look at this guy. That's so cool. And you kind of you start to tune into them, right? And then the more that they get shown in the movie, it's like the more kind of attached you get to them, and uh, the, the more you're cheering for them. You're, you're picking your favorites as it goes, and it starts here. It starts with this uh, this training at the beginning and you seeing who you're interested in and who you think is going to be tough, and then you kind of follow them when you see them again at the tournament. It's a really interesting thing with these types of, like, I guess with a movie that has, like, a tournament because you're going to have a lot of main characters that have no speaking lines at all, and we're going to end up liking some of them just because we've seen them fight a couple times, you know? So it's really cool. I Already, when it starts out, I'm already picking, like, who I think is going to do a good job and who's going to be the tough one to beat in the tournament. It's a, it's a neat way way for it to uh for it for you to get on board with with characters without actually hearing them talk definitely now we get to meet jean-claude van damme and he is playing frank dukes in the movie we see that he's in the army and then we see that he goes awol it sounds like he wants to go to hong kong but his superiors don't want him to Mm -hmm. then we get a flashback of frank as a kid breaking into a house and getting caught Yes, and Tim, this kid is doing the most kid thing that any kid would do, and that is he has a New York Giants shirt on and a San Francisco Giants hat on. He is just a fan of teams called Giants. Yeah, this is not something that kids do. This is something that nobody does. This is, <laughs> this is what happens when you tell the costume director to go get Giants gear and they get a they get gear from a football team and they get gear from a baseball yes. team and think it's the same team it's not they give it to this kid and he looks as stupid as you could possibly look wearing gear from two different teams in yes. two different sports that just happen to have the same name yes i agree this was incredible it was incredible. He looks so dumb. It's two completely different te- completely different sports. But, Tim, I feel like that's how I picked teams I liked too. <laughs> I probably wouldn't wear them at the same time, but I'd be like, Florida Panthers? 
and Carolina Panthers. I like Panthers. I'm a fan of both. I've never, heard, I've never heard of it, man. I've never seen someone support two different teams from different sports at the same time. What the hell is that? It was so funny. So that's it's so funny to see that, to see that hat and like see the shirt and then make the connection. That it's like, oh, they're both called. Oh, Giants. yeah. It was a hilarious Someone moment. Totally fucked up in the costume design. Just like go buy Giants gear. He should be from New York. Go buy Giants gear. Yeah. Comes back with different teams. Yeah, he's a fan of the, the Giants. Giants. He likes the Giants. Yes. Oh, I loved it. Man. Too. I it loved was, it. That was really great. Yeah, I really did great. like that. Also, this kid's dubbing is awful. Ooh, it's terrible. Um, absolutely terrible child acting in these flashbacks. Like, this is why people are so against child actors. Because back in the day, you got stuff like this. Like, nowadays, I feel like child acting is fine because the kids know how yeah. to act. This is the stuff I grew to hate and how I grew to hate child actors and how I think a lot of other people did as well, because this is some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Well, mixed with the dubbing, like the dubbing is sounds to me like it's an adult trying to have a kid's voice. Like I, so mixed with the dubbing, it's absolutely awful. It doesn't fit at all. His voice doesn't fit his face at all. Like it's, it's, I don't think it's his voice. You can flinch. You have fighting spirit. You're not going to call the cops. Not if we make a deal. What kind of a deal? We'll practice your kata. How come you coach him but not me? I brought you here to help me train my son. Don't question me. If you expect me to be punching bad, you can forget about our deal. They're trying to make it sound like he's a young Jean-Claude Van Damme with that terrible accent. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think that's why they, yeah, that's why they dubbed over it because the kid probably just said his lines regularly and they're like, we got to dub that over because that's not going to make any sense. Oh man, it was so bad. It was so bad. Oh man. Now this house that he breaks into is the house of his sensei or eventually becomes his sensei. And he starts training Frank in the martial science Whatever that is. The martial science. Have you ever heard martial science said before? Martial science. It's called martial They're arts. everywhere. <laughs> it's not called martial science. That yeah, was, that well, was cool, though. science is an art. Okay, sure. I, Tim, I've, nice never heard, I've never heard of martial science Two before. classes you take in high school. Yes, art and science. Arts and I, I science. See, I see your connection. Martial arts and martial science. Uh, I, I get it. Thanks for clearing that up for me. That's great. Um, we shift really quickly, though, to an older Frank Dukes still being trained by the sensei, where we get a montage of him slowly getting better until he's finally ready. Uh, I didn't actually mind this training montage. I thought it really worked in the movie. I remember as a kid just loving it. Just awesome. thought it was great. This movie, we're, getting, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing like full wide shots of someone doing martial arts. It's so cool. Like he's doing all that shit. He's doing all that training stuff. So it's just nice to see. It's nice to see some actor in a wide doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, they even threw in like the, the rack moment where he's getting like, his arms and legs are tied with ropes oh. and he's getting stretched yeah. out in all four directions. Yeah. We talked about that in the Punisher episode. 
yeah, we talked about how uh, I didn't think it was a uh, 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 painful enough for torture, but <laughs> again here. It looks painful, but also, I mean, it looks more painful here because his legs are split. I mean, yeah, he no. can do that, but yeah. you put the Punisher in that position, Tim, with his legs oh, split. I'm he, not thinking that that's feeling too nice for no, him. No, he might talk. <laughs> he might talk. He might talk. Uh, yeah, this is a, I think this is the first... No, this probably isn't the first time, but one of the first times we see him do the splits, his big thing that he can do the splits. He does it 500 times in this movie. Every fucking time, it's great, Tim. Oh, yeah, the best time is uh, a little bit down the road. Yeah. A little bit down the road, yeah, yeah. But I love it every time. Every time he does it, I'm like, how is that happening? How is he doing that? I tried to learn how to how to do the splits as a kid because of this guy. Cool. It's not easy. Amazing. I found yeah. a sensei who told me how to do it, and I trained and trained and trained. And okay. I, I don't think I got, like, even two inches further than when I started. I just, I, oh, I can't well, do the splits. That's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a about, flexibility thing, right? It was all it's about like, I feel like Yeah, he's, the guy was like, there's only, his, yeah. Yeah, there's g- only so far the body can go. To- <laughs> I go. There's only so far the body can go, Tim. I know, I know. This guy was just about stretch every day, do these certain stretches, then you know, hold the pose and yeah for five ten minutes. And I tried and tried and tried, and I I was just like, "Fuck this! This isn't what am I totally. doing? Who have I become?" Who have I become wasting all this time trying to do the splits to, to be Jean-Claude Van Damme? You never made it to the rope. You never made it to the rope pull stage. That would have got you that there. That would have worked. That would have got you there, yeah. But what yeah. was what was doing the splits even going to get for me? I'm just going to be like, hey, check this cool out. Points. Hey, Hey, girls, check this out. Boom, splits. <laughs> cool. Hey, it's impressive, Tim. Pants are ripped. You never know. You got, never you know what, go home t- at lunch, what you could have pants. done with your life if you could do the splits, Tim. You never know. Could, I could have done amazing things. Amazing thing. Amazing things. With this whole training montage, too, I feel like this very much became um, a Van Damme trope in his movies, kind of going forward. You always got the training montage of his in some yeah. in some manner. There was always something. Now we cut to present day Frank, and he's telling his dying sensei that he's going to take part in the Kumite to honor him. Uh, we meet a very young Forrest Whitaker. Very young. Very, very young. Academy Award winning Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. He is a criminal investigations agent for the Army. And him and his partner track Frank to Hong Kong and enlist the help of the local authorities to find him. Yeah. We're now in Hong Kong and we meet Janice. And she's a reporter trying to get a story on the Kumite. And mm-hmm. she's the love interest in the movie. We also meet Jackson, one of the fighters, and he's the main bro in the movie. And yeah, also the love interest in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think. Another type of love interest. And yeah. him and Frank hit it off over a karate arcade game. And Dean is it the we've all been waiting for this moment. It's finally time for the Kumite to start. Jackson yeah. goes to Frank's room to get him, and Frank is doing the splits across two chairs and that's the best split scene this is a classic scene uh this is this is great i'm i love that jackson comes in and he's just he's got a beer or something and he just looks at frank and he's like if you want to have kids you should probably stop doing that i i don't know i don't know why i thought that was funny i i know laughed at that i just it's it's just great timing great timing of his delivery on that one 
Yeah, the, Jackson is, like, so great. It's weird because he's, like, such a strange character, but I find him very funny. I love that he walks in with a beer, and he's like, hey, we got to get to the tournament. Yeah, like, he's ready to, to go to the tournament. It's like the ultimate, like the ultimate physique over here with Frank Dukes, yeah. and he walks in with his just like hair, his long hair, his beer gut, his beer in hand, and he's ready to go. He's ready to fight in the tournament. So funny. Uh, I really like this scene. I and I like that uh, how long Frank just like ignores him and just like stays doing his like Zen stuff and his slow movements. Um, it's very impressive. And then until he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. It's it's a good scene. Yeah, he finishes his kata and then says, okay. 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 <laughs> I was very worried in this movie that Jackson and Dukes were going to have to fight in the Kumite. Yeah. And I yeah. was never emotionally ready for it. So I'm glad that yeah. we didn't get it in the movie. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready for it. I, w- I would never be ready for that. So at the Kumite... The master of ceremonies welcomes everyone and shares a bit of the history and that the Kumite was started by the Kurokai. Did that ring any bells? The Kurokai? No. That uh, sounds a lot like the Kuroki that we talk about in Deadly Class. Oh, And we're probably cool. pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> it's probably the probably it's Kurokai. Kurokai. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be some sort of like, you know, criminal organization or something. Yeah. Yeah, like it was supposed that name meant something. It's supposed to mean it's supposed something to, mean to somebody. somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But does it somebody somebody out there? <laughs> Not to us. It means something no. to us, but we know it by a different a different pronunciation. Yes, yes, by the words we read, not the Sometimes words we Sometimes I wonder if we're pronouncing any of the words in English correctly. Oh. No way. We no get way. so many wrong. Oh, it's it's fine though. Right? I think it's fine. <laughs> I, I I guess. Yeah, I guess it's fine. <laughs> I think it's do fun. my best. I'll I do think, my best. Yeah, there you go. We're doing our best. How about that? Yeah. yeah. We're doing it's our the only, best. It's all the max I can do. <laughs> maximum effort. That's <laughs> how we can do. Yeah. Uh, they put the first two names up on a board of who's fighting who. I Great. always loved this visual yeah. cue from the board. It yeah. just helped me get excited for the matchups. Like, who's going to come next? Oh, my goodness. Who's it going to be? Totally. Hopefully it's not yeah. uh, Dukes and Jackson. Yeah, um, definitely. But I also like what they did with the fighters by giving like almost everybody a really unique appearance and different fighting style. So that just further develops like this whole video game idea where the characters are different enough that you you can kind of like hone in on a favorite for different reasons. It's really yeah, good. Exactly. Exactly. You like different fighters because of different, like you, you learn the moves and you learn which ones you like to use to win. Right. So that's exactly what this is. It's like, how are these styles going to match up together? I like the different body sizes. You know, there's like really big guys, really small guys. And it's like, oh, who's going to win against that type of matchup? I guess whoever has the better style. It's just interesting stuff. It is. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to think that this had in some small way, something to do with the UFC even starting. Because they basically oh, for sure. like, yes. have a yes, modern Tim. day Kumite that's, you know, yep. sanctioned. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they probably started with like, oh, it's a UFC, it's great. Let's just have two people enter the ring. Big guys, small guys, see who wins. And then eventually they're like, I think we need weight classes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was their whole thing was like, let's see what martial arts style is the best. Right. Which wins is, is the best. Kind of yeah. what this Kumite yeah. is all about. It's like Yeah. 
uh, now I don't know if the Kumite was more like just karate. Uh, it might've been just a lot of like karate and Kung Fu fighters. True. Because yeah. Because that's kind of what was big back in the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but Jackson is one of the first up to fight and he's actually taking a bit of a beating until he sees his own blood and then he goes into rage mode and one punches the dude out cold. Then, yeah. <laughs> then calls out Chong Lee, uh, last uh, Kumite's champion, <laughs> <laughs> who's killed a, who's killed a guy before and holds the record for fastest fastest win. I like, love it. He man. just goes. He he he. Yeah, totally. This is this guy's character. He gets one win under his belt, one win, and he's like, "All right, I'm calling out the the toughest guy in the room." He's not there to screw around. He didn't take that no, long flight not. just to like fart around, fart about. He's like, he knows uh, what he wants. He wants to yeah. win. He wants to take out the champ. He's a little bit buzzed. And let's do it. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit buzzed. I think that plays key into a lot of his decisions. Yeah. <laughs> he's a crowd favorite. The crowd loves him. The crowd does. And you know who, who else loves him? Who? Himself. He's very pleased oh, yeah. with his he, performance. He's, he's very, very, very proud of himself. He, like, caved that guy's face in. Like, there was blood everywhere. Yeah, that guy was for sure dead. For sure dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, next up, we get to see Chong Lee, the current champ, never been defeated. And as you biggest mentioned. Biggest chest in, in the biz. Biggest pecs in the competition, for sure. Uh, and as you mentioned, he killed a guy in the last Kumite. He wins in 14 seconds. Pretty good. A new world record. Next up is Frank Dukes. We're getting all the major players one after another here. Yeah, pretty fun. We get some fan service here as he's fighting a guy from earlier in the movie that was bothering Janice. Yes. And Frank beats him in 12 seconds. And he has the new world record. Yes, I thought it was pretty awesome that he got matched up against that guy that he had a little confrontation with in the hotel lobby and that he already made look a fool. Yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty good luck that he gets matched up against him, then beats him, uh, gets the new world record. Fastest, fastest ever. Great moment. They probably missed an opportunity to throw in a Stan Bush song right there, but that's okay. Ah, uh, yes. That's okay. Um, But <laughs> don't worry. Because what happens next is we get a compilation of a bunch of these first round fights happening to yeah. the musical stylings of Stan Bush. Yeah. So it comes yeah. comes just after it. Just after, yeah. I just wish maybe they started it a little bit sooner. Just a little bit sooner. They should have. They actually really could have there and ca- uh, like capitalized on that uh, that excitement, that energy we all had. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of digging on the fight choreography Uh, i think it's i think it's fine like you can tell some of the guys that are there are just bodies and they're just meant to take a hit and fall over but the guys who can really fight have like pretty fun matches even watching it now i was like thinking the fights would be kind of shitty and pretty impressed with some of them like there's a lot of like great back and forth action and you know sort of like the punisher when we talked about that movie, they had actual karate fighters as the stunt people so that they could make right. these these fight scenes look more realistic. And yeah. I felt like that was something that was going on in this movie as well. The fight scenes looked like you had actual fighters fighting each other. And I was down with it, man. I liked it. 
Yeah, totally. I, I liked it too. Um, I, I was the same as you. I was expecting to go in and just think it was like going to be not very good. Um, I think that they saved a lot of effort for like the later fights. Some of the last fights are really good because um, they, they're going to be longer, you know, so there's a lot of good stuff. But I was pretty into the early stuff too. Like it's not the best martial arts I've ever seen, but it's it's entertaining enough. Like for these low, you know, first round fights where there are characters we don't even really know, it's pretty good stuff. I, I enjoy it. I think for 88, it's a home yeah. run. And for yeah. me, watching it as a 10-year-old, I'm just in awe. Just wishing oh, yeah. one day for sure. I could fight like these losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right after you get those splits down, Tim. <laughs> That's how I never got there. So <laughs> Step one, like, splits. <laughs> I'm never in my life going to win a Kumite. Cause, yeah, cause that's I, true. I never was able to do the splits. The splits are key. They're key for the win. Hey, it was like it was like, okay, step one, do the splits. Step two, win the Kumite. <laughs> <laughs> you were so close. You were working on step one. <laughs> That's my super exaggerated um going from A to B, like the lizard yes. in the swamp that I always like to bring exactly. up. Yes. Exactly. Today the splits. Tomorrow the Kumite. <laughs> Oh, I love it. You just learn the splits and then get into the kumite. <laughs> Do the splits, someone knees you in the head and you're dead. <laughs> That's right. If only. Uh, if only, Dean. If only. Again. If only. Great things could have happened for me. The things you could have done. Yeah. Now the agents have tracked Frank down at his hotel and they want to take him back. And Jackson calls Forrest Whitaker a dick face. Wow. They they pull out tasers and Jackson tackles both of them so Frank can run away. And Dean, we get the goofiest chase scene I have ever seen in a movie. And I yes. want to ask you, what did you think of this impromptu running scene that you always love seeing in movies in this movie? How do they run? It's a good one, Tim. It's a good one because uh, I love it. I love the goofiness of it. I love that Frank is just like, he's just in much better shape than these other two men. So he's way ahead of them. He's having no trouble staying ahead of them. He's turning around and goofing off while he's doing it. He's like sneaking up behind them and banging on the things that they're <laughs> like they're close to. It's so goofy. Uh, I loved it. I loved it because he's not working hard and they're working so hard. So every time they'd cut between the two, I found it very humorous. Good running scene. It is so very stupid. Um, it's so goofy and stupid. It fits so well with the music and with the horrible like line deliveries that John Claude Van Damme has. Like it's it's almost having this scene in there is almost like they know that this is like so goofy, like that the whole thing is kind of being goofy because it adds to that. It just kind of fits on that. And at this point, I'm like, I think he's really charming. <laughs> like I think this John Claude Van Damme guy isn't just a great martial artist, but I'm kind of charmed by him now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. The what was happening on screen completely fit the music. It was perfect. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, he is really charming as like an actor. I think he's really showing that he's not just like a, a fighting guy. He, yeah, that's a, I actually didn't really consider that before about the scene. I was too busy just thinking, wow, what am I even watching and why are my eyes What's burning? Going on? <laughs> but you're right. He really is showing something different. And 
as bad as it is, sometimes it's really tough to do something like that. You know, it's tough to yeah. pull something like that off. A lot of, I think, I guess a lot of people could have made that scene look a lot worse than it was, but for sure. Yeah. I think it was, it was a very silly scene. I like the chase scene. Um, I just think it was a little bit too goofy, like him kind of like dinking around and like knowing that he can outrun them. So he's just being silly with them and letting them catch up and letting them get close. And then he runs fast off and he's hiding behind things and smiling it's just a little bit too goofy. Like the vibe of the movie isn't really that goofy. Like it's a lot, it's, it's a fighting movie, right? So it's a little bit more serious than what we get in this scene. So I like the chase scene aspect of it, but I just didn't like the, the goof that came with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do bounce in and out of the goofiness. Like when we're in the fighting scenes and it's not, it is very serious. It's dead serious. But then when we're, out of them it's kind of like they go a little bit goofy they with have, it so it's i would say they have fun there's yeah they have funny fun, yeah. scenes i laugh at stuff like when that one guy gets like knocked out and his gold tooth falls out and the guy who cleans yeah the mats, great we, we see him yeah. cleaning the mats over and over again and then finally he gets a gold tooth like that's funny right that oh I, yeah i didn't find yeah, yeah. it goofy this scene yeah. was goofy yeah definitely yeah but again you put that music to it and it Kind of fits. Kind of fits. I won't. I wouldn't say it's pretty good. I just say it kind of fits. I like it, Tim. Well, Dean, the agents end up falling in the river, and Frank gets away, and then he goes for a nice candlelit dinner with Janice, who agreed to have dinner with him if he'd tell her about the Kumite. Mm -hmm. Now Janice thinks the fight is barbaric. But Frank is trying to explain that it's meaningful for the fighters and it doesn't matter about the media. It's not for the media. It's for the fighters yeah. who have respect and have been training their whole lives and want to test themselves. The, the, the media can fuck off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he saying. doesn't want the media there. doesn't matter um, about them. No, I, uh, I really like that he's at this fight um, because... It, he, he's doing it for like the honor of Tanaka, um, whose son, I believe, died in Akumite. I think that's what happens at the beginning of the movie that he explains, that Tanaka sort of explains to us that his son was training to be in the Kumite and he died. So that's why Frank is going to be is being trained by him to then go to the Kumite and win it for his honor. So I like that Frank's there fighting for honor and. Um, and like he says in the scene, like he's explaining, basically, it's, it's not about it's not about the media. It's not about how like how great it is to be the champion. It, it, we're, we're fighting for honor. We're fighting for respect. And, and this is a guy who ran away from his like post in the army to do this. So that seems dishonorable, but he's actually doing it for honor. So I just think that's kind of a cool, a cool mashup here. That's interesting. I wonder if the son got killed by Chong, Chong Li. I think so. I do think that that's what happened. They don't really say that or talk about that, but I, I believe he did because they only really talk about, they talk about Chong Li having killed someone in Akumite and then they talk about this guy having died in Akumite. So I feel like he did do it. That would have been a great connection if they gave us like one sentence about it. Anything. <laughs> also, <laughs> Anything about it. Uh, they don't talk about it either, but I, I'm pretty sure that his, his sensei, the one who, who he's fighting for here, um, had previously himself won Akumite. 
Mm, okay, yeah. Because yeah. I think that's how he gets that sword. The sword. The sword. Yeah, 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 so right. I don't say it, but there's enough in the movie that I'm pretty sure yeah. the sensei won Akumite before. I never put that together, but I think you're totally right. That totally makes sense. Um, they they give us that sort of, that uh, that nudge in the movie. Yeah. So at this candlelit dinner, uh, they get into some uh, really classic 80s treatment of the female character here, where it seems like Janice is willing to trade sex for access to the Kumite. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yes. So they have sex, oh, Dean. No. And then Frank says he can't take her. It's like, oh, I sure I'll take you. Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks for the sex. I actually can't take yeah. you. He's like, never mind, though. I got to go, though. See you later. Here's my problem. She's fine with it because she seems like magically in love with him now. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. It, it's weird because like they, yeah, they went on one date. She just really wants to get information out of him. I understand. He obviously that. wants to have sex with her. I understand that. So it's yeah, it's, it's weird. the point where he burns her, and she's like, "That's cool." Yeah, because I'm in love with you now. Yeah, it's Why? very strange. I don't know. It's very strange, Tim. Um, it's because in the '80s, what? sometimes that's what they like to do with their female characters. They're horrible at writing them, and they're like, "Well, she loves this man, right?" It's really so true. like. That's really true. Yeah, it's just, it's totally underwritten. Her motivation is to get information on the Kumite. That's her motivation. They could have totally turned that around to be like, that was her in control in that moment. But as soon as she's in love with him, it's now him who's controlling the moment of not letting her go. It sucks. Yeah, they have a really tough time in the 80s. In in these type of movies of writing female characters, it's just, it's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, uh, It gets worse though, because uh, the next day at the Kumite, we see that Janice is actually there. She's very resourceful, Dean. She's yeah. made her way into the Kumite. Hey. Oh, yeah. I never really thought about this How part. do you think she made it into the Kumite the next day? I never really thought about that part, but that is totally true because she's with a guy and she's like, I have my ways of getting in. I never really she's put very two, two together. resourceful. <laughs> she's very resourceful. She, I will say she's got pretty cool hair in this scene. I mean, I, li- I like her in this movie. I think yeah. she's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. She's uh, good. Like, she's I don't, good. I don't have any problem with her. I have a problem with the way that they wrote her. Oh, yeah, for sure. She could have she could have been so much better in this movie. It's like they, yeah. they lost an opportunity with her, but that's fine. Yeah, they just don't know. They they just really drop the ball on these types of characters. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fine. It was that was the time. I mean, it's not fine, but that was the time. That's what you know. That's how movies were written. This is definitely not the worst way a, a female character has been written in the 80s. So, yes, no, it's not the worst way. It's just sort of forgotten. Like she's just forgotten about and not important at all. So we're at the Kumite. We get to see some more fights. Chong Li viciously breaks a dude's shin. I had completely forgotten that this happened. This is a very violent, very rough scene. Yeah, this is the goriest part, I would say. Um, It's not not extremely gory. It's very split second on the screen, but uh, it is definitely the goriest part in the movie. And I forgot about it, Me like, too. like you, Tim. Which is it's it's kind of strange because like this would have this would have been something when I was a kid that really upset me. This would have really upset me. Yeah, this was major for '88 for me watching yeah. this movie. We get to see a bunch more fights here, and this all kind of ends like the early round of fights. And I wanted to ask you, 
out of those early rounds of fights, kind of up to this point in the movie, was there anything that really stuck out for you or like any favorite moments? Because they, they, they burned through a lot of different characters, a lot of different like yeah. fighting styles. Uh, was there anything that was really memorable for you? Yeah, I always love, and I, I, I'm not 100% sure why, but I always love the guy that um, Frank is going to end up fighting in, like, the semifinals or something. The guy that holds his fists, like, face, like, his, his, his kind of palms forward. Paco. Who? Yeah, Paco. I love Paco. I, I love his, I don't know, He's I like cool. his look. I like his I like his weird style. Um, I, I found myself always cheering for him when he was in the fight, and I wanted him to, uh, I always wanted him to pull it out. It, it turns out he's a... He's a bit of a dick, but uh, we'll get to the semifinal fight when we get there. But yeah, he, uh, I, I like him. I like him. He's my favorite. Well, he was clearly one of the actual guys who knew how to fight. Um, oh, you yeah. You tell from yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Now the board flashes a couple names that we've been waiting to see. We get Chong Lee and Jackson. Cool. Jackson gets off to a great start. He knocks Chong Lee down, but then starts to celebrate like he's already won. What's he doing? It's that damn buzz of his getting the best of him again. <laughs> damn buzz. Premature celebration over here. Chong Lee comes back and punishes Jackson. Yeah. And this is just excellent building up of the bad guy here in the movie oh, yeah. for me. I'm so mad at Chong Lee in this moment. Yeah. Frank is so mad. He tries to run in and stop the fight before it's over yeah. because of the beating that Chong Lee is giving Jackson. Um, I thought it was great, man. Like I, I, I yeah. we, we don't like seeing this, but the movie needs it. It's, it's the best way to build up the villain. It's like Jackson Frank has just met like two days ago, but like they're best friends and we don't even question that. We love Jackson. So this movie does actually a very fantastic job of getting us to be so invested in Jackson that when he takes this type of beating from Chong, uh, that we just, we need Frank to get revenge. Like we want that revenge. This builds up Chong as the villain. It's actually a really good thing for the movie to do to get us so on board with Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's off to the hospital for Jackson. Yep. Um, unfortunately for him, I don't know if you noticed, the doctor at the hospital is using his stethoscope on Jackson's lower shoulder. So <laughs> I did not notice this. With that type of care, I don't know if he's going to uh -oh. make it. I don't think he's going to pull through, Tim. They don't, I really don't think so. No. Janice is very upset um, yes. seeing what happened to Jackson. She doesn't yes. want Frank to end up that way. And even though they just met, mm -hmm. she goes to the authorities and tries to get the Kumite shut down. This was completely out of nowhere. Yeah, this is on it. And like, this is really weird too with her character because her character is just trying to find out about this like underground fight where she thinks people can die. And then like she sees a fight happen. And she's just like, not nope, needs to be shut down. Like that just doesn't like she's a journalist, right? She would yeah. just report on this stuff. She wouldn't be trying to shut it down. She'd be like, oh, cool. This is this would be good for my story. Yeah, Someone exactly. almost died, right? <laughs> totally, like, totally. She's already looking into it. Yeah. She already knows about it. So yeah, this yeah is the best it just doesn't her. work with her character at all. Totally, totally. Uh, Frank has a really weird bus scene here to another Stan Bush <laughs> classic where everywhere he looks, he sees Chong Lee. 
And like, I guess they're trying to say that he's feeling conflicted now. Like, is that yeah. what you got out of it? Like, he's conflicted I, as to what to do because he's like, he's got Chong. I don't Lee. think he's conflicted. No, because he, he. I think, he, I think he's scared. But I think so he's they scared like of they, Chong Lee. They flash Chong Lee, right? Yeah. He's seeing Chong Lee everywhere, but then they yeah. they they flash like memories of Jackson. They flash memories of Janice. So I took it as like he's conflicted as to what to do. Does he fight or does he not fight? Like because Janice is pushing hard for him right. not to fight. So right, I kind of yeah. took it as like a conflicted scene where he's being okay. pulled in two directions. He doesn't know yeah. what to do. Yeah, I've never watched it like that. I think that makes sense. I've always just thought he doesn't give a shit about Janice, so he doesn't even care about... I've always just thought, like, he's he's thinking about Jackson, and he's thinking about Chong, and he's, like, kind of afraid of him, but he also wants revenge, but he also knows that he has to, like, keep his wits about him, because if he wants to keep winning, then he has to, like, be, like, clear in the head. That's what I always thought, that it was just sort of, like, he was now a little bit afraid of Chong because of what Chong did to Jackson. Okay, I like that way better. Like that works way better yeah. for me in the movie because, like at that point, I, I thought he was conflicted, and I don't understand okay, at yeah. that point. It wouldn't understand why, why he would yeah. be conflicted. Like he's been training his whole life. He's trying to honor his sensei. Why would he be conflicted in that moment? His, yeah, his it should be clear what he's wanting to do. So yeah, I like your take. Yeah, I don't better. think he cares about Janice. I'm going. I don't with think your, he cares about what she I has don't, to say. I think you're right. I'm going with your take. Yeah, he's scared of Chong. Yeah. I do, uh, I will say I do like how Chong celebrates every time he, uh, every time he wins, he pumps up the crowd with fist pumps. It's great. <laughs> it's that double fist great. pumps as he's pumping up the crowd. He looks so happy when he wins. We've all celebrated like that one time before in our lives. A hundred percent. So Frank has made it to the final day of the Kumite, but the agents are there waiting for him. Frank fights off a couple police officers, then disarms the agents so they have to agree to let him finish the fighting. And I notice at this point that we, the viewer, have no idea why these agents need to take Frank back to the U.S. They don't tell us a single thing about this situation other than they have to take him back. Sometimes in movies, I don't mind if they skip over story and just kind of let us fill in the gaps. But in this situation, like, just give us one comment. Like, just say he's too valuable to the U like to the U.S. Army or say he's too dangerous to fight in this competition or, like, they need him right now for a mission somewhere else. But they, yeah. they don't do anything. They never tell us anything. It's just you have to come back to the U.S. You shouldn't go to yeah. Hong Kong at the beginning, and now you've gone. You have to come back. Why? Uh, why and give me anything it's very unclear they he so he like deserted his post in the army so they need to get him back because of that but also i think i think they don't want him to get hurt in this tournament but like you said like if he's so valuable just say that then S say we don't want you to get hurt yeah and also if he's like so valuable because he's so good why wouldn't you think he'd do a good job in the tournament? Like it, it is very confusing why they're even after him for sure. I never really, I never really get it. Just a small, small beef. Like I think yeah. everything works fine with like the agents and chasing him down. I like that aspect of the movie. Just tell me why. That's all I want. Just tell me why. And I, I don't care what it is. I don't care. It could be, could be anything. 
For sure. Just give me Forrest Whitaker, though, doing a good job in this movie. You can definitely tell when you cut from other scenes to scenes with Forrest Whitaker in them. He's great. He's great in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Frank is up against your buddy Paco, who's one of the best fighters there. He's a Muay Thai specialist, legendary leg kicks, but Frank doesn't care. And they just take turns kicking each other until Fun. Frank wins. Fun, yeah. Except at the beginning, Tim, Paco goes in for the, the knuckle bumps. And then as they are knuckle bumping, he kicks him in the, in the side. That's mm. not fair. It's that's dirty. dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. But that's, What do you even have a Paco. ref there for? It's Paco. Yeah. Why is there a ref there? <laughs> There's no like rules. To pull the dead bodies off the mat? I guess, yeah. Someone's got to take the dead bodies off the mat. That's true. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he just gets in the way in the final fight. He's like Van Damme's like directing him where to go. Like, just you stand over here He's now because trying... a couple of grownups are fighting. Van Damme has to save him in this movie, basically. Yeah. I definitely don't think you need a ref. I think the ref is no, just there don't. to decide whether or not the guy's dead. Right. He checks his pulse. He checks if he's breathing. He's dead. And he says, go. He says, like, when they can fight. They could just have someone with a bell on the side, but he's in there and he says, go, and then he gets the hell out of the way. Now, in this fight with Paco, though, Frank was cut. If Predator taught us one thing, it was that mm. if it bleeds, we can kill it. True. That's true. And he is the Predator. There's a little so... bit of weakness going on here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of weakness. He bled. He can be killed. Chong Lee is up next. Yeah. Another riveting performance by him. Of course. He took a punch from the guy and didn't even flinch, which I think had more to do with bad acting than anything else. I think he didn't actually see the punch coming and he didn't react to it. I don't know if he saw this or not. This is hilarious. No, I missed the it. guy threw a punch. He didn't see it coming. Didn't react. <laughs> but he was supposed to. He's just that tough. I tip. I think he's that tough. He just has that good of a jaw. <laughs> yeah, no, he just didn't see it coming. Didn't care because of that embarrassment of missing the punch, missing the, like yeah. taking the punch. He killed the guy. He kills him. In he the kills fight. him. He just kills him. He kills him. He's like, how dare you embarrass me by throwing a punch I wasn't expecting? Kills him. Yeah, and he Dead. kills him after you after he won. Like, oh yeah. He knocked him out with a huge punch, and then he snaps his neck. <laughs> like, why? Why did you do that? You didn't need to. So what I do really like that I've note that I noticed here is that that's disgraceful to kill someone. I like that. I think that's pretty cool. It can happen, but the judges like turned their back on. They him. don't like it. Everybody turned their back. Yeah. Everybody there yeah. turned their back on him. And yeah. he's just still pumping his fists up in the air. Yeah. yeah. He's like, what? Come on. Have you seen my packs? Have you seen them? <laughs> well, Dean, it's time for the final battle. Chong Lee versus Frank Dukes. And this is obviously the finale we wanted to see. Yes. I. Why did they fuck up the stage? Why did they? Why did they mess with the mat and make it a V? Uh, like the the final formation of the ring. Yeah, it's never. It was never like that. Um, I. Is it like because it maybe it's harder, harder because there's like different levels to it. It's like makes it increases like the difficulty. Yeah, it it would be harder to knock somebody out, like to to do a ring out. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. So it's more like like we want you just to fight. We don't want you to, like, ring, ring, just ring the guy out, like, push him out or something. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, like, while it wasn't a lot, I really liked that they did something special for the finale. 
Like, I really wasn't expecting it, watching it, you know, as a kid. I just thought it was cool. You're at the final. The ring looks different. I kind of liked it. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. It makes it a lot, uh, a lot more tricky, and it's just for the last one. Like, you haven't even been practicing on it. That is uh, it's kind of cool to have a little, a little something a little special at the end. Yeah, I guess it would give you a lot less of, like, space to move around as well. Yeah. Right. Because once it's the two sides are angled up, you can't really use that to like walk and fight on. It's like out of bounds almost. Yeah. We unfortunately see Chong Lee's partner putting a couple of tablets into his shorts. And I'm just thinking that this cannot be good. No, seems bad. Seems real bad. Yes. Chong Lee is also taunting Frank by wearing Jackson's headband on his leg. Badass. Love it. Yeah. So the fight's on. And Frank is doing great. And Forrest Whitaker is loving it. He's having a great <laughs> yeah, time at the he's Kumite. Into it. Like, he should have been there for the earlier rounds. Yeah, this thing's, this thing's pretty good. I think I'm coming next year. I'm buying tickets already for next year. Exactly. In five years from now, Forrest Whitaker's at the Kumite. Front he's going to be there. And if he, if he can do the splits, he's going to be in it. Now it looks like Frank is about to win, but Chong Lee cheats by breaking those tablets and yeah. throwing the dust in Frank's eyes, and Frank is blind, and Frank starts blind. losing the fight until he remembers his training. He knows how to fight blindfolded Dean. Love it. He focuses, then lands four spinning jump kicks in a row. Then he makes Chong Lee beg for mercy and wins the fight. Yeah, great. And this is where, like, right before he hits the, the with the spinning kicks, this is where Chong throws the ref at him. He's like, oh, he can't see, but he still can hit me. I'll throw the ref at him. But he knows. Frank knows, saves the ref. He gets Chong Lee to submit. And when he was screaming at him, I was like, what does he want him to say? And then I guess it was to beg for mercy. He, I think he wanted him, to, him he, to say mercy. He says mercy. Okay. Mercy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. He was screaming at him. This is one thing that I think uh, Van Damme adds to this uh, role that, I don't know, I, can, I guess it can seem a little goofy, but like he's got like very very ex expressive face when he's doing these things. Um, he's got these cool like noises that he's making while he's doing these martial arts moves. And I think all that really adds to it because this can be just a, I mean, it's not boring because it's fighting, but it can be just sort of like a bland thing if he's just got this straight face, but he tries to emote as much as he can. So when he's screaming at him at the end, like I'm, I'm into it, I get it. I know that this is an important thing for him to say. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think he does just a fantastic job in this movie. Totally. Totally. He's yeah. a movie star. This is like... He's a movie star. This is him showing star. the world he's yeah. a movie star. And he yeah, is. Exactly. For all those reasons that you're saying, like, he's got, the, he's got like, the magic about him. He's not just okay fighting. He's great in these other scenes. Like, he can, mm -hmm. he can act, you know? Yeah. He's great. I love Van Damme. I can't wait to do more of his movies. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love Cyborg. I I have the same love for Cyborg as I do for this movie. It's like this movie nice. I saw as a child that I connected with so hard and it was so meaningful for me. And I just love that movie. 
And yeah. like, I really, really can't wait to do that movie. Again, it's going to be, it's going to be like this one. Like this, you, you rewatch this movie and you're like, oh, this is kind of like a bit of a pile of shit. But look, the reason I loved it was because of what I was feeling at the time and just what I took away from that as a kid and the, the nostalgia. So really yeah, looking totally. forward to digging into that. I'd be happy to do any of the uh, Van Damme movies. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if I've seen Cyborg. I guess we'll find out when we when we cover it. But uh, I, I forgot that my blood sport is a double feature. And so when it finished, it popped up the title screen for Time Cop. And I'm like, oh, nice. hell yeah. Nice. I want to watch Time Cop right now. So I'd be down with Time Cop as well. Cool. So that was just that was just a great final fight scene. Like, I, I actually think that fight between Van Damme and Chong Lee was probably about 10 minutes long. Like I, there, yeah, it's really good. I breezed through it pretty quick, but it's a really, really long fight scene. It's long. Yeah. Um, at one point, Janice was in the crowd laughing at the fight. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Just maybe she did. Some thought it was a great time. Poor editing, uh, right there. I, I don't maybe know. she thought it was really funny that he was blinded. <laughs> she thought that was a funny thing yeah. for Chong Lee to do. Yeah, it, it was is, a good it joke. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. It is pretty funny. So Frank Dukes has won the Kumite. He's earned his samurai sword, just like the one his sensei has. Yeah. Jackson is feeling better. We see him chugging beer in the hospital. He's he's very happy that Frank won. Frank is ready now that the Kumite is over to go back to America with the agents. He says goodbye to the girl. Doesn't give her a kiss, just like Jack Burton. And the end. Yeah, because he doesn't give a shit about Janice. You know who he cares about? He cares about Jackson. His This whole movie is about him and Jackson. It's a bromance. I love it. It's it's this movie about this, like, deadly tournament that's secret, and it's like you could die in it, but at the end, two guys who met three days prior say I love you to each other, like, because they're best friends. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I love that ending. I love that he, what he cares about in the end is Jackson. That's great. I mean, I think ultimately he cares about himself. He just leaves everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, he told Jackson he loves him. He's waiting on the plane for the agents before they even show up. He's just like, come on, guys, what you waiting for? He's like, let's go Time home. to head back home. Yeah. Anyways, super fun movie. Yeah. I really liked revisiting it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Like, it's whatever. It's got its holes. You can... Rate it how, however low you want to rate it. Uh, I don't care. I loved it. I rated it five stars because I had a fun time. I'm going to watch it again. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch it many times in my life. It's just fun. It's a good movie. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want some extra content from us, check us out on Patreon. All right, Dean. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. 
We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.